more things coming up that I think you're going to like. I'm told that Jeopardy host Alex Trebek mocking contestants over their lack of sports knowledge is pretty entertaining. It is. So that's coming up in a little bit. Look forward to it. Also, how Nicolas Cage managed to spend his $150 million fortune. Hmm. Some of the things he bought. Holy cow. Who needs... Well, even if you want to buy an octopus, why do you have to get one that expensive? Octopus, you say? Mm-hmm. Also, more details of the Fat Leonard naval corruption scandal that are uh, very troubling and slightly hilarious, yes? Yeah, I like the hilarious part. I also have a, a serious angle on it, as I'm starting to be really concerned about our nation's readiness. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I yeah, I am too. Well, this is a case study, no matter where you live or how you vote, on how a crony-friendly, gigantic government program can become an unkillable vampire. How virtually every promise made can be broken, every law violated, etc., yet the money spigot keeps on a-spitting money, is, taxpayer money. Yeah, this is Bridge to Nowhere in Alaska, the big dig in Boston, Seattle had their own... It happens all over. The, this is the biggest one in American history, though, it's going to be. It, so it would seem. The uh, stupid, stupid so-called bullet train in California. I wish we could say the bull word, because that's a perfect name for the train. We call it the Crony Express at times. Jim Patterson represents the 23rd uh, Assembly District, uh, covers uh, a chunk of the central part of California, Fresno, Tulare County. He was also the mayor of Fresno in the 90s to early 2000s uh, and had a hell of a successful run there. Uh, Jim Patterson joins us. Jim, how are you, sir? Yeah, it's great to be with you as always. Always enjoy your show. Well, thank you. So you, uh, you, and some Democrats, Jim Beal of San Jose, I know, prominent among them, um, made a, a strong pitch to the assembly to audit this thing to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on, how the pitch go, what's happening. Yes, well, uh, by unanimous vote, first first audit since I think twenty ten, uh, the independent uh, auditor for the state of California. Uh, uh, it has a, a fantastic reputation. She is a, a bulldog. She gets to the bottom of things. She was the one that found the $175 million that uh, Janet Napolitano uh, squirreled away. Oh, yeah. You see. So she, she, you know, she, she's really good at what, at what she does. And but, she has hey, been I, I hate to interrupt your momentum, yeah. but I don't want to gloss over that for anybody who forgot that Janet Napolitano, yes. running the UC system, had putting that much money, what is it, $175 million in a special fund so she could claim she was broke <laughs> and, and then let students go with it. We don't have enough money for education. Yeah, no. Let's raise tuition. Oh, my God. These yeah. people lie to us all the time. Back to you. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the audit. Yeah. So uh, the the scope of this audit is, is really deep and wide. It's going to go into uh, uh, why there's uh, so many delays. It's going to take a look at... Uh, it, it finances. How, how how does it get so uh, far over budget? Why is it taking so long? What's the internal uh, problems? Uh, uh, also, it's it's going to also dig down and take a look at what the uh, authority has been doing with respect to the small businesses that have hired up and have gotten contracts. This is another unwinding story here that we just learned some more from, frankly, the Los Angeles Times and. Ralph Bartabedian, uh, it's not only just taking down taxpayers, it's, it is taking down their own small business contractors uh, who had a big dream, they uh, put forward their application, they hired up, in many instances they put up really large uh, bonds, and now we have 
Now we have a number of them in Central California. Actually, small business mom and pops that were supposed to be the vanguard of all of this uh, uh, spending and how important it's going to be. And what we're, what we're finding out, and this is where the audit, I think, has some really fertile ground here. Because what we know now is that the reason these local contractors, and I represent them, by the way, and I'm kind of ticked off that they treat our local contractors like this as, as, as well as the, the rest of the state. But what we've, what we've discovered is that, and I don't know how close this gets to fraud, but it, I think it gets awfully close. The High Speed Rail Authority uh, spent literally billions of dollars way ahead of being of having the actual land in order to build the stuff that's supposed to go on the land. And the reason they did it was because they had a clock that was running. This was the Obama federal uh, uh, this, well, this was this was supposed to be the you know the infrastructure money and the Obama plan, <clears throat> billions of dollars, but it had strings attached to it and a clock was was running. Well guess what? That you this audit is going to discover that they knew ahead of time that they were spending money that could not get utilities moved or tracks in the ground because they didn't have the property in the first place. Why? In order to grab the federal money. Uh, I, this, when you know that you are deciding to take as much money and shove it at contractors as you can, write the checks and ship it out the door in order to be able to spend it or you're going to lose it, and you know that you do not have the ground on which to construct, that is a recipe for the kinds of delays and the kinds of cost overruns. We're going to end up seeing a lot of these contractors suing high-speed rail oh because God, they it's don't have the property. Look, this is the dominoes are falling. If you if you if you can't pay people to get the the property, you can't get the utilities moved. If you can't get the utilities moved, you know you can't move the ground. If you can't move the ground, you, you can't lay the contract con- concrete. If you can't lay the concrete, you can't lay the track. And if you don't have track, you do not have a railroad. It's well, hard to not going to be one. one. It's that, hard to argue with that. <laughs> if you don't have a track, there's it's not going to be much of a railroad. Yeah. I want to make sure I understand this because I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. So you had you had these uh, the, these contractors, these businesses that were ramping up, making the bids so that they could they hopefully they, they would uh, you know get the job or got the job, and then yeah. we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna be set for years to come. We hired all these people. We've got the infrastructure in place to take care of this, but it's just never going to happen. The problem is that uh, out of uh, several, and these are small businesses, right? And 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 this one, it's in the LA Times today. This one is that that is suing basically has had to essentially uh, stop, I mean, it's it's roadblocked them. It literally, instead of exploding and expanding their business, like the so-called promises, it has actually crippled this small business. They're now in court, and what it appears they're claiming is what I've known for quite a long time, which is that they shoved a bunch of money out the door from the stimulus package from the Obama administration. You remember that uh, Congressman Jim Costa helped push all that stuff through. And what did we get? We got a, a, a fire hose of money coming out here. 
and they did not have the property on which to build that. It's just, it's just a Keynesian ripoff, Jim, it, if it, I might uh, interrupt. Jim Patterson represents the 23rd uh, District of California. And just real quick, uh, if I is speaking to private contractors, if I came to the state with, for instance, the ridership projections and the cost projections that the high-speed rail authority cooked up, and then they turned out to be utterly, utterly fraudulent, I would hope I would be sentenced to a very long time in a prison. But since the state itself did that through the rail authority, evidently there's nothing we can do about it. Unfortunately, I look, I, I, I'm, I'm as uh, angry about that as you are. But the, look, and I've been you know, mayor of Fresno for eight years. There, I understand the... Uh, state immunities, the electoral immunities, uh, like it or not, and the courts have backed this up, that um, elected representatives get huge leeway to do things that people in the private sector really can't get away with. But we are at an edge here where if the authority knew full well when they tapped the federal money that they were taking a huge risk because they did not have property and that it would likely snowball into a huge cost overrun. I think that gets very, very close uh, to fraudulent behavior. Well, we can't wait to hear the auditor's report. Jim, I'm afraid we're out of time. Jim Patterson, 23rd Assembly District. Appreciate you covering it. Oh, yeah, and likewise. Thanks. Keep fighting the good fight. It's it's astonishing. This uh, did you hear what he said? I mean, just to, to decode it. Let me read this text to set okay. you up for that. Okay, this is an important stuff. I wish I could understand what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, said one texter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, and there there were perhaps you know thought tangents aplenty. Uh the government gets to do things that would put you in jail in the private sector in terms of deliberate, premeditated fraud of the taxpayers. Keep trust in big government, though. Keep it, growing government. The, and the reason I wanted to get him in, into explaining the how the you know small businesses were thinking they were going to make money, it kind of ruins the Keynesian argument of, you know, we'll spend a bunch of money, but it's okay, it'll be good for the economy, because it goes out there and it gets spent on all these businesses, and then the employees mm-hmm. get it, and then they go to the local coffee shop and all this sort of stuff. Well, that doesn't work. If, right. if none of them are ever going to get any of the money, they right. ramp up, get all ready to go, and then they don't ever get any of the money because they didn't, for instance, you know, get the permission to use the land. Right. There's exactly. never going to be any trash. So where the hell the money went would be interesting to know. But yeah, the ramping up, which is an easy phrase to throw around. But what that means is a small business goes way, way, way into debt based on, you know, the future revenues to come. But anyway, it's uh, it's just massive fraud. It's a massive ripoff of the taxpayers. It's the Crony Express. Okay, you've got to watch the video. Maybe I should watch the video also. We need to figure this out. The Tom Brady video? Is Tom... We got this text. Is Tom Brady trying to absorb his son's youthful life force orally? Well, wait a minute. That is a theory I could buy into. Is he trying to get the youth out of a child? Right. To continue like to a compete? Dementor from Harry Potter. I haven't watched the video. I hate to even go there. There's criticism that... Don't t- go there. Tom Brady kissing his little boy. He lingers too long. I what you're trying to say it's it's uncool all the way around i don't even be a part of it but i suppose i should watch the video i will rule also watch the video and rule so everybody's telling me sean joe you texters that this uh this jeopardy clip about people not knowing anything about sports is pretty good sean it's they they don't even try to ring in they're just (laughs) all right let's let's go with the next question that's what a jeopardy nerd is like nerd stay tuned to the armstrong and getty show 
Armstrong and Getty. The Voice of the West. So, of course, your contestants on Jeopardy can tell you all about Aristotle and Candide, but do they know sports? Uh, football 200. Your choice, do or don't name this play in which the quarterback runs the ball and can choose to pitch it to another back. It's an option play. Ryan? <laughs> uh, football 400. I can tell you guys are big football fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Landry perfected the shotgun formation with this team. Dallas Cowboys. Uh, do you think we should go to commercial? <laughs> Ryan? Take it on to 600. Okay, by signaling for one of these, a returner can reel in a kick without fear of getting tackled. Fair catch. Two clues left, Ryan. 800. These penalties are simultaneous violations by the offense and defense that cancel each other out. And they are called offsetting penalties. Let's look at the $1,000 clue, just for the fun of it. <laughs> Jimmy? As Minneapolis's U.S. Bank Stadium prepares to host Super Bowl 52, I'm looking at the Ring of Honor with names from this defensive line that took the Vikings to four Super Bowls. If you guys ring in and get this one, I will die. <laughs> Who are the purple people eaters? We're going to take a break. I have to talk to them. That's the first time in my life of watching Jeopardy that I knew the answer to every question in a category. I'd have won. If only I'd been on. I love, the, I love the visual of them knocking out the entire rest of the board, and there's just the one category that they've yeah. all been avoiding. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. It's, Don't go there. It's also interesting that, I mean, they, they didn't even have enough knowledge to ring in and take a guess. Because otherwise, you would think you'd ring in and, you know, throw out one of the 30 teams. But I doubt they could name one of the 30 teams. So you're, you wouldn't... All, you're also penalized for a wrong answer, so it's, oh, okay. it's, it's not like a zero, or it's not um, like a no penalty thing. But, you know, but there's plenty of categories on, on Jeopardy, 18th century, you know, uh, operas. Sure. And yeah. I, just, I, I, I wouldn't even be able to guess. Boy, I love that about Jeopardy, that there's a penalty if you're wrong. We were talking about the everybody gets a trophy uh, a culture. Yesterday, I want to see the last place team punished, <laughs> even in youth sports. Well, that's how uh, Wolf Blitzer ended up with like negative thirty six thousand right, dollars or right, whatever on Celebrity right. Jeopardy. With Wolf Blitzer, that was good, but still not as good as our favorite all time Jeopardy clip. Uh, punch for eight hundred, please. A blow to the back of the neck is the punch named for this animal. Mike, what is a donkey? No, <laughs> Betsy. What is a rabbit punch? Rabbit, yes. Uh, punch for six hundred, please. <laughs> Look it up. Google it. Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'd never heard of a donkey punch before that oh, clip. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had heard oh, of a rabbit boy. punch. I would have well, answered rabbit. We're here to educate. <laughs> That's what hey, we do here. All right, so back to football. For days, as I've consumed the nation's media, I've been hearing about this Tom Brady, his documentary thing he's doing, Tom versus Time, is that what it's called? Yeah. As he, he goes through his, his mind-blowing regimen of fitness and nutrition and 
body maintenance and meditation and everything else and attempted to defy time uh, and be a great football player. I had only heard about how uh, amazing it is. And like a lot of people who really excel at things in life and you think, I'd like to be like them, if you actually see how much that concert pianist practiced the piano his whole life Mm -hmm. or how much Tom Brady works out or how many hours that person studied to get that degree, you'd think, oh, okay, that's why... That's why they did that, and I right. haven't. You know, that's that's funny. I know you've heard me mention this. One of my favorite quotes of all time. I heard it when I was a, probably a teenager. Um, whether it was it was one of your great pianists of the twentieth century. Um, somebody said Liberace. <laughs> I don't think it was the great Liberace, but Jack, it might as well have been. Uh, it went backstage and said, "I'd give my life to play like you do," and he says, "I did." Yeah, well, well, you know, it's easy to leave that out when right. you think about attaining sure. various goals. But at any rate, as I've consumed the nation's media over the last several days, I've been hearing about this alleged controversy where his uh, he's getting some sort of a massage type treatment. He's laying on his back, and his kid pokes his head in. He wants to consult on a fantasy league team or something like that. And Tom says, "What's in it for me?" And uh, so the kid gives him a pack and starts to leave. And Tom says, "Wait a minute, that was just a pack. Come on now." So the kid, and the kid, it was funny, because after he gives him the peck, he reaches for his T-shirt. And I thought, he's reaching for his shirt to wipe his lips off. Because I've been a kid, oh, and yeah. I've raised yeah. three. And I know that move. And so he comes back, and he gives his dad a longer kiss on the lips. And then he does lift up his T-shirt and wipe off his mouth, which is so a... I adore my dad, and I'm still a kid, but I'm starting to not be a kid. Right. How move. Old? It was hilarious. How old is the kid? Uh, Eleven. If you have anything, if you have any problem with that and that kiss, there is something wrong with you. Not even close. Okay. Not even a wobbler. I haven't watched the video. It's a bunch of either haters and trolls or people who sexualize everything about parenting because they've never raised a child. Um, and, and it's just idiotic. It is, it is uber idiotic. I wish I had stuck to my earlier stance of ignoring it completely because my gut told me this is going to be idiotic. Yeah. And sure enough. Yeah, it's I, a- does anybody have another country? <laughs> Would you like to nominate another country or another culture I can go live in? Because mine, as wonderful as it's been, has now passed some sort of tipping point of stupid. Yeah, you know when, that, you know when they, uh, they'll, they'll come back uh, is definitely when they're sick. That's when you get them back to being little kids for a little bit, when they're sick and really feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my youngest was last night. I really need to cuddle with Mama, which he doesn't do as much anymore because mm-hmm. he's feeling like, you know, he shouldn't do that anymore. Sure, yeah. Like my my oldest son, man, I put my arm on his shoulder like when we're walking anywhere where any of his friends can see him. Forget it. Dad, come on. Come on now. It's ridiculous. I'm my t- own man now. I'm I, eight. I rub his head like I always did, rub his hair. No, no, no good anymore. Can't do that anymore. Um, what's coming up in your nude, Marshall? Well, we got the latest. Did I say nude? What's yes, coming? Good morning. Is that yes. the plan? Because nobody told me. <laughs> <laughs> latest on the menu, a memo that's consuming DC. Watch out for Wait a minute. Was that you at the golf tournament? <laughs> what's coming up in your nude, Marshall? <laughs> Watch out for a Netflix scam that's gone nationwide in the mystifying death of one of Hollywood's major stars back in the spotlight yet again. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. Ooh, something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. All the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Ah, boy, 
just came across some lawyers saying something about obstruction of justice and Trump and Russia and uh, God dang it. When just, will that? Just wake up, wake me up when it's over. Yeah, no kidding. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, I tell you, the dance is going on in earnest. The memo consuming D.C. President Trump moving ahead with plans to release details from that classified memo that criticizes FBI surveillance methods. The move putting Trump on a collision course with the Justice Department and the FBI, whose officials say the memo omits key facts and would jeopardize security. Democrat Adam Schiff says Republicans are out there shading the truth. It's a tremendous uh, disservice to the American people who are going to be misled by this, by the selective use of classified information. So here's... I think we'll be fine. We're kind of used to one side claiming one thing and the other one claiming the other. I think we'll wait and see. We'll be fine. So here's how the dance is supposedly going to be played out later today. The White House is expected to inform the House Intelligence Committee that its, its review process is finished and the administration has no objection to the release of the memo. So it's going to be up to the committee to determine the exact timing of the release of that memo. It could be entered into the congressional record when the House is back in session this afternoon at 1.30 West Coast time, and then they could put it out then. Mm. So it'd be about 1.30 or 2 this afternoon. (laughs) Friday afternoon, boo! And what about the headlines I was seeing last night that... uh People inside the White House are concerned this is a dud. In other words, it's not going to really have much effect on anybody. I think all sides have been saying, well, not the Democrats. I think you've been hearing that from a lot of people. Trey Gowdy, for one. Right. Yeah, he was saying that that. days ago. Yeah. So anyway, it should play out, but it would be, it looks like it's going to be a Friday drop. Well, and I'm telling you, I mentioned this earlier on in the show, I think I have a pretty good understanding of of what it's about and what questions it attempts to answer. And I think it's going to come down to a judgment call about the strength of the evidence against getting the FISA court uh, approval to surveil Carter Page, a one-time unpaid Trump foreign policy advisor, a business guy with lots of contacts with Russia. And at some point, somebody thought he might be a spy. He's never been charged or prosecuted or anything like that, but... So well, the one side's going to look at the evidence and say there's no freaking way he was a spy. Clearly, the the Trump dossier was phony from the beginning. This was all trumped up, no pun intended, yep. to, to surveil the Trump campaign. This is the FBI used as a political tool. And the other side will say, no, there's pretty good evidence that he was in bed with Russia. Maybe he's not, but you got to look into this stuff, and it's going to be in the eye of the beholder, I suspect. Now we got Mitt Romney's big announcement coming up. Former Massachusetts governor, 2012 Republican presidential nominee, is saying he will announce February 15th if he's going to run for the Senate seat that Senator Orrin Hatch is vacating. Um, would you would you preview a date if you're going to come out and say no, I'm not running? hard to imagine that you would, especially if you're a Mitt Romney. Right. Unless you're trying to coordinate with the guy who is, who's a oh, buddy. Uh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, yeah. But if Mitt Romney runs, he will win, and he will be a U.S. Senator, and it'll be pretty interesting because he, he really, I mean, he gave that speech where he said, Trump's a, a charlatan, yes. a con man. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I don't know where he would fit in uh, to the whole conversation. And you will recall I acted as an ad hoc advisor for Mitt during his last presidential run. That's correct, you did. You were the Carter Page of the Romney Offering campaign. Offering up advice on one or two occasions. Mitt's a good dude. I'd welcome yeah. him in the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. I think he's a fair, good dude. I'm pro-Mitt. Now, if you notice a Netflix email in your uh, inbox, you're going to want to play pay extra close attention to it. Police are warning of a phishing scam comes disguised as an official Netflix email asking users to restart their membership. So easy to fall for these. 
Email claims Netflix couldn't validate the billing information and so provides links to pages for users to key in their personal information, but it is a sham. Don't fall for it. The real Netflix website... It's a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. Yes, the website reminds customers the company never asked for personal information uh, to be sent over email. So heads up for that. Now, the mysterious death of actress Natalie Wood off Catalina Island in 1981 has sparked decades of speculation about whether it was an accident or murder. Was she in something I would have seen? West Side Story, Maria, amongst other things. That was her giant hit, yeah. Yeah. She's a big star back in the day. She's 43 years old. She couldn't swim. She was boating off the island during Thanksgiving weekend in 81 with her husband, Robert Wagner, fellow actor Christopher Walken, and others when she somehow went overboard and drowned. Her body was found the next day. Her death was initially declared an accident. Were they all partying it up? Yep, yep. Pretty heavy-duty partying going Man, if on. Man, if you're really drunk, you fall in, me. you could drown so fast. Well, yeah. the original story was Wood supposedly took a dinghy into town and fell into the water. The investigation was reopened in 2011, but no charges were filed. There now were reports of angry words, right? People on other boats. Uh-huh. And- now one of the sheriff's department investigators in the case is calling Robert Wagner a person of interest. He's always denied having any involvement. What do I know him from? Robert Wagner, he's been at, uh, he, what was the uh, TV show he was in? Is he Heart to Heart? Yes, uh, Heart to Heart. Yeah, he was in a bunch of TV yeah. shows in the and 70s movies. and 80s yeah. and movies yeah. and stuff like that. He was a big deal back in the day as well. Anyway, so he's been out of the woods, he thought, on this whole murder rap for like 30, many, many years. He's 87 now. 87 years old. Wow. He is also now refusing to talk to investigators. All this... Coming because some new witnesses have come forward telling detectives they heard yelling and crashing sounds coming from the couple's stateroom. One saying they saw Wagner and Wood arguing on the back of the boat. And where, you just, where the hell you yeah, been? Exactly. So you just thought of this now? What, what the hell is that? Wait a minute, Natalie Wood's dead? What? <laughs> anyway, CBS 48 Hours is going to go through the whole case tomorrow night. So, uh, but it's it's uh, popped back up again. It's been a mysterious uh, situation for decades. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Next hour. What are you doing today, honey? I'm thinking I'm going to go ahead and call the cops on the Natalie Wood thing. The thing that happened like 35, 40 years ago? Yeah. It's been gnawing at me. Oy. Next hour, we'll get into the fatty Arbuckle rape. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Who is this, Michael? Chris Stapleton. Yeah. We got to get that new Justin Timberlake, Chris Stapleton song on from his new album. That's uh, getting some attention, and I haven't heard it. Seems like a weird collaboration, does it not? Yeah, it's shocking. I doubt Chris Stapleton does a lot of dancing across the stage. Maybe Chris Stapleton shows his nipple Sunday. Wow. Huh? Wow. He's a big old boy. Got some moves on him. Uh, he does? <laughs> JT has moves. Chris has moves. <laughs> the moves and moves tour. Right. How did Nicolas Cage run out of all his money? It's an awful lot of celebrity stuff here. Uh, you're going to tell us something about the Navy. And yeah, I have more on the Fat that. Leonard scandal. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. God, the people that are defending the seas from the commies, getting with hoes. That's not good. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. Tonight. Oh, oh, oh. I hear them call my name. Everybody says so. 
like is the halftime show of the Super Bowl Sunday. His new album comes out today. Yeah, released today. And he's got this song with Chris Stapleton is the hottest thing in oh. country music. So, there you go. There's that. Even though he can't get on country radio. This is cultural appropriation. Justin Timberlake, an urban guy, appropriating rural culture. Rural America, are you going to stand for this? Justin Timberlake's album is called The Backwoodsman or whatever No, more, more cultural appropriation. Man in the Woods. Man in the Woods. Which he says is somehow a tribute to his kid. I guess his kid's name translates into, like, one with the forest or something like that. All right. What? (laughs) (laughs) Take your word for it. Can he be normal and name his kid Apple or West or something? North. So you got your old fat, uh, fat Louis. What's his name? Fat Francis? Fat Leonard. Fat Leonard. That's it. Francis is his actual last name. Fat Leonard, who was bribing a bunch of Navy guys. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Essentially, he would tell them where all the ships were going to be in return for bribes and such. And then they would also, because, you know, some of the people were pretty high up. You see that people people with a lot of important knowledge in our Navy, which is one of the most important uh, military weapons on planet Earth. Or ever has been, yeah. Or ever has been to keep the planet stable. Right. You got people in positions of power giving up secrets for hoes and booze and cash. And so Fat Leonard would, uh, fat, yeah, Fat Leonard, um, he would give them bunches of money, and some of these guys had enough authority that they would decide where the f- boats would dock. Boy, that'd be a lot of authority. And then f- Fathead there, he would overcharge the Navy like crazy in return for the services that Navy ships need when they dock, uh, when they go into port. And everybody kept their mouth shut because everybody was getting paid. So this guy was making zillions of dollars. But this uh, Blue Ridge, which is the flagship of the 7th Fleet there in the Pacific, they consumed or pocketed about a million dollars in gourmet meals, liquor, cash, vacations, airline tickets, tailored suits, Cuban cigars, luxury watches, watches, cases of beef, designer handbags uh, for the gay ones. No, obviously for the women. Antique wow. antique furniture and concert tickets and reveled in the attention of, and again, this is the phrase of the day, an armada of prostitutes, according to records. So how many hundreds of people would have had to have been aware that this was going on? That we had people in positions of power in our Navy that were willing to trade information for hoes, booze? purses etc well, it have to be a lot of people this was going on since the 90s and i think um how many people were charged was it 15 yeah 15 officers and one enlisted sailor but over that amount of time they had to have friends or there had to be lots of people their wives whoever there had to be lots of people that knew about this yeah winking and odd victimless crime except for the taxpayers uh, well and well here's the here's who's the victim is uh the free world if our military is not serious Mm-hmm. And my concern would be that these are people, and I think this is this might be true of all of America. Whether you're talking about the guy in Hawaii who 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 effed up the North Korea <laughs> missile coming in, and yeah. it turns out he's completely incompetent and has been for a decade, but they kept him around. We've all got this belief that we're so far superior to everyone else on the planet, we'll be fine. We're 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 just so much bigger and badder 
then everybody else will be fine. You know, if you like sports analogies with war, this happens with teams that think they can walk over everybody all the time, and then they get beat by the young, hungry upstarts. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when it happens in war, it's a really big deal. And um, and and it our secret service, you know, consorting with whores and not taking their job serious. We just have such a, I think, an air of in- invincibility about us. At all of us are various levels. We don't have to take any of this stuff seriously about discipline or any of those kind of things because we're just we're so important and so big and tough. Right. We're pursuing the last uh, percentage of enlightenment and satisfaction and pleasure. And the reason right. I was thinking about this is I'm reading this book called The Maskey Diaries, which I'd never heard of in my life, but it was recommended by some historian I like. And it's uh, the Soviet Union's ambassador to England lived in London in the 30s, and he kept a diary. Hmm. Even though that would have gotten him killed by Stalin, he kept a diary, a really detailed diary. Interesting. And so far, it's really, really interesting. Hmm. And so you got the whole buildup of what's going on in you know the lead-up to World War II. And and he's he's watching it from all different sides and talking to the particulars and and can't believe that the English don't understand that that Hitler is going to be a threat down the line and what Stalin thinks about it and what Churchill thinks about it and it's all really interesting wow. starting in the really early thirties sounds knockout good. it's it's pretty damned interesting but here's what stood out to me the 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 new Soviet fleet because the Soviet Union was pretty new at that point and the Soviet one of their their biggest boat comes to England for some sort of show of um, of friendship between the Soviets and England. And uh, and all the other powers are coming, too. France is bringing their big boat. Spain's bringing their big boat. The English have their big boat. And, um, and, and the Soviet Union is bringing their big boat. And so they set up, as they always had, these temporary jails there near the port. Because when all the sailors come to town, this is the way it always works. They go out in the town, they drink, they get in fights, they pick up hoes, and we have to throw all these people in jail, and it's an international incident, and we know it's going to happen. It's like San Francisco at Fleet Week, or L.A. or whoever. Or Philadelphia for an Eagles game. Yeah, same sort of thing. Yeah. So it came and it happened, and Churchill himself remarked, there wasn't one single Soviet sailor that we put in jail. Wow. Not one. All the other um, uh, people, they did their usual thing, got drunk, this and that, disorderly, all that sort of stuff. Not the Soviets. They didn't do that at all. He was amazed at their order and their seriousness hmm. about their military and how far behind they were as the Brits and everybody else of having th- you know, having the sort of discipline that you need if you ever actually get into a battle. Hmm. And the, the fact that they were able to park their ship so quickly, I mean, they just their discipline. And that sort of stuff means something. Oh, yeah. Absolutely means something. That you have control top to bottom of your people, and they and they think it's important to follow orders and follow the law and follow the rules and that sort of stuff. For whatever reason, whether yeah. it be pride or, or fear or whatever. Well, when the S hits the fan, it's going to make a difference. Well, it, lives are lost. Yeah. and uh, or, or, or nations are lost. And I just feel like, you know, we've had so many stories over the years of us not being there. Mm. not being there. We think, oh, you know, I'll take some cigars, and it doesn't matter where the fleet shows up. I'll take some money, some hose, have a party, whatever, protecting the president, whatever it is. They just don't take it seriously. Mm. I'll take this serious stuff seriously, they're thinking. When probably. the time comes. Right, sure. Doesn't work that way, though. Well, and then you have those situations, those horrible situations, where a number of solar, I'm sorry, sailors died in those collisions that recently yeah, were investigated second? and disclosed to be just flaming uh, incompetence and and uh, kind of a brand of apathy. Yeah, there's a reason the military 
you know, they make a big deal about how you make your bed and it's got to be a certain way. It's not because the making of the bed a certain way is going to help you win a war. It's all about discipline mm-hmm. and order and and following rules, because when the crunch time comes, that's important. Militaries have proven that over thousands of years. And I just I just worry that we're not there. And when the when we actually get to crunch time, we're not going to be near the uh, lone superpower military that we all think we are. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong, but you know, one thing uh, you know, my political beliefs are all over the map. But one thing I'm like a super conservative about is uh, military readiness and not using the military as a social experiment, which the Democrat Party in particular is really enthusiastic about. If, for instance, I don't know, the aircraft carrier force were to say, and they haven't because it's different, but we can't, uh, well, it's a, it was a subservice, was resistant to the idea of women on the submarines. They said this will affect readiness. This will affect discipline. This is not good for our mission of killing people and breaking stuff. And Congress said, we don't care. This is equality. This is important. This is the modern era. And if the enlisted guys and the officers see example of after example where military readiness is compromised for one thing, then another thing, then another thing, they start to think it's not so important. Sure. That's not a shot. Of course. That makes sense. A lot of people texting. What's the name of that book you're reading, Jack? As always, Moby Dick. Moby Dick. It's Moby Dick. <laughs> Check it out of your local library. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Thank you.